Welcome to another episode of School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined this week by Adam. Uh, Chris unable to join us this week, but that's still okay. Show, the show still goes on. Uh, so without further ado, Adam, how's things going today? Um, it's going all right. Uh, Chris has a lot of nerve having a wife and kids and responsibilities and not just being here shooting the shit with us, but uh, I suppose we can give him shit for it next week. Yeah, I mean, uh, I really don't understand why he couldn't take some time out of, you know, all the busy things that he's doing. Uh, to, he's to got talk two kids them. under five. I mean, there's two of them. They can practically <laughs> watch themselves. I don't see exactly. what the problem is. That's why you have two kids, so one yeah. of them can watch the other. I, mm. <laughs> um, you know, but he does get the uh, benefit of not having to talk about what we're talking about next. Uh, that's true. It's, you know, that's. Uh, it's something that I we probably both wish we didn't have to talk about either, but let's get right into it. Um, Everton making us wish we didn't watch Everton week in and week out, uh, doing a really good job of that. And it's really early in the season for it too, and it's it's surprising how good they've been at it. Um, but you know, just to recap, um, since the last time we talked, uh, Bournemouth, uh, we traveled to Bournemouth. Got a 3-1 loss there and then came home to Sheffield United, um, played them at Goodison, lost 2-0 at home. Neither performance looked great. Um, really not a lot of good to talk about it and to talk about in this one, right, Adam? Uh, no, no, very little. Um, you know, the, the good, I guess, that you can take out of those two matches is that Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored a goal. You know, Everton got a goal from a striker. Yay! Um, but you know, outside of that, it was just dire, dire stuff and, and really kind of similar matches in that for the, the periods of the game that both Bournemouth and Sheffield United kind of sat deep, um, Everton didn't really ever look like they were going to create a chance, uh, that led to a goal. And that's become a, a really, really disturbing trend that we saw at times last year and and that we've seen you know on the regular so far this year that if a team really sits in deep uh Everton's going to struggle to score yeah and it you know it gives other teams that are looking at these games confidence they know that they can come in here no matter whether they're playing at home or clearly even at Goodison where they can just sit deep and not expect anything to happen because Everton's just unable to break them down unable to really take any advantage of any chances that they have. And then they'll just hit on that, you know, one or two chances that they get. And, you know, that was pretty evident mainly in the Sheffield United game where according to the stats, two shots registered in total, only one of them went on goal. Somehow they still managed to beat us two to nothing. Um, You know, when that's the type of results um, you're getting, when you're giving up only two shots, that's not normally a good sign. Yeah, and, you know, the the combination of being unable to break down a, a deep block and being shit at defending set pieces uh, is a recipe for disaster against, you know, some of these, these lower table, traditionally lower table um, Premier League clubs because uh, that's exactly how they want to beat you. They want to beat you by sitting deep and defending for a long time and then either looking to hit on the counter or when they – Break on the counter, looking to get a corner kick, looking to get 
uh, a free kick because you had to hack them down outside the box because they had numbers on you. Um, and then creating from there, we saw Bournemouth do it um, with the, the free kick that got deflected in off of uh, Fabian Delph. And then we saw uh, Sheffield do it, uh, putting one in off Yerry Mina. Um, I mean, <laughs> we, we were literally putting the ball in our own net those two games. And it, it feels like an appropriate metaphor um, for the way the the entirety almost of the 180 minutes between those two matches went that the the deciding goal in both games came off ultimately an Everton player. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, it's like uh you look back and and the Bournemouth game it was the goal that put them up two to one, that was the own goal, and the Sheffield United game, the one that put them up one nothing. You know, and never mind the fact that you can't break down a team, give, giving up an own goal that gives the other team the lead is is demoralizing on top of that. Um and we're already talking about a team who doesn't play with too much confidence going forward. Um, and with those types of stuff happening, it's, you know, it gets harder on them. I mean, you look at the stats and it's not like Everton didn't create chances. It's not like they didn't have possession, but it, it, it will, it has for, it feels like three years now been the problem where every single time we watch this Everton team against a team that is like you said of the lower, you know, typically of that lower level, they just sit back and Everton is unable to break them down week in and week out. And, you know, it was very evident in these two games. It's been evident at other times during this season. Um, it's, you know, I, I wish we knew how to fix it. And, and you know, maybe there are some answers, um, you know, coming in some way or another. But, you know, when you look at this, Adam, you know, we talked about what's gone wrong, really. We talked about, you know, the fact that inabilities to score, the, you know, obviously in the, the – uh, mm-hmm. In the Bournemouth game, the free kick and the lack of defense on the third goal. How do you saw, like, what does the solution for this, these problems look like? Well, I, I, let me, let me lead with, uh, my favorite stat that I kind of stumbled upon writing the analysis, uh, of the Bournemouth match. Cause I, I think it kind of speaks to the overall issue that we're talking about. Um, since, December 1st of, of 2018. So almost a full calendar year now. I, I use that uh, as the benchmark because the, the lost Merseyside Derby last year was on December 2nd and that kind of breaks up the, the first third of the season from the second third of the season last year. Since that time, um, Everton is two, two wins, three draws, 10 losses against non-top six teams when they don't score in the opening 20 minutes. So if Everton goes the opening 20 minutes against the team that is mid-table or bottom table in the Premier League, there's a two-to-one chance that they're going to lose the game if they don't score in the opening 20 minutes. Um, and that is mind-blowing, mind-blowing for a team with Everton's talent to be that bad Um in, in a situation like that. And the reason that I, I find that statistic telling um, is because you tend in the opening parts of matches, things maybe are a little more open. The teams are feeling each other out. If a But if a team that's going to look to sit in and defend um, gets kind of gets their footing in the game 
and gets through 15 or 20 minutes, Everton won't score on you. Um, they, they just won't do it. And especially when over that period of time, we've been giving up set piece goals. And what happens when you give up a goal against a team that wants to sit deep and defend? Well, now they're really going to sit deep and defend on you because they don't have to come out to score. They've already got their goal. Um, so, you know, I think that to, I go through all of that to kind of bring it back to your initial question that, that what does Everton need to do right to fix this? And I, I think there are, are two things that, that you want to look at there. And one is kind of the simple that you can't give up sloppy goals against bad teams, uh, be it on, on the counter, be it via set piece. If you give up an early goal to a team that's going to look to sit behind the ball for most of the match, you have just allowed them to do exactly what they want for the rest of the game because now they don't, there's no incentive for them to try to open up and go get a goal and, and create space that you can try to attack uh, to get a goal for yourself. So I, I think that's, that's the one thing. Um, and the other, it really comes down to uh, one of two things. Uh, I think that when you look at the issues that Everton has, has had creating from, from open play a, against the deep line, you kind of see people fall into one of two groups or maybe a combination of the two groups, which is that they feel Either that Marco Silva's tactics, you know, particularly that he really likes to force the ball wide a lot, um, do not play well against a deep block, and his team doesn't really have a plan B, doesn't know how to react, and that's taken away from them. Or there are certainly some folks out there who think that Gilfie Sigurdsson is not the creative number 10, who is needed to break down teams when they sit deep and that the, the emphasis on wide play is more of an effect to the cause of Gilfie not being what's needed um, in the center of the pitch. Uh, and it, to me, it really depends on which of those things you think is true or which is more true. Um, yeah. I, 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 I would just to cut you off there. Yeah. I mean, Speaking of that, like, I kind of think it's a little bit of both. I mean, we mm-hmm. see that Marco's teams like to play around the outside. And, and the part of the problem is, you know, it looks at some points that they don't even know that they can play the ball to the middle of the field. It's like automatically get the ball from the defense out wide, run it down the left or right side. You know, it's not, you know, maybe let's mix things up a little bit. And that obviously the predictability of that plays into their um, inability to create from those spaces. But also I think that, you know, Gilfie has been below average in, in, you know, a lot of areas in terms of creating that because as a number 10, you're supposed to be the person, the play is supposed to run through you. And if you, if you, if your number 10 can't create enough or, or can't break down that low block, then a large part has to rely on the outside and has to rely on, on the, the fullbacks to put the ball in and, you know, it, you know, causes that predictability to come back again. Yeah. And, and I think that it's, it's interesting, uh, that, that this is kind of the place where we find ourselves because, uh, we saw it, uh, against Sheffield Wednesday, uh, in the midweek. And we'll talk a little bit about, uh, the, the Wednesday match, the, the Tuesday, the Wednesday match on Tuesday, as it were, um, yeah. uh, in a little bit, uh, but we did see, 
Um, Marco used Alex Iwobi at the 10 in that match. Um, and I think in the Iwobi, Marco has a guy who is more capable um, of playing that 10 role, of competing with Sigurdsson for that starting 10 role, really, than anybody else has been since Gilfie got brought on board. Uh, I'm personally of the belief that I, I think it's a it's a Silva issue rather than a, a Sigurdsson issue. It's tactics as opposed to personnel, I guess you would say. Um, yeah. But but Marco's uh, but I, I can understand making an argument for the uh, the opposite. The thing is that now Iwobi is is definitely getting acclimated to the side. We've seen some good things. He set up one of the goals against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, you know, from a central area, Marco has that option now to play Iwobi in the center, uh, to put Bernard back into the starting lineup out on the left, or even if he gets really drunk, he could start Theo Walcott on the right and, and Richarlison on the left. Uh, he's got options there if he puts Iwobi in the middle. Um, and I think there's a breaking point coming for Silva sooner rather than later, where if his teams continue to struggle to break down deep-lying opponents, He's gonna, he is gonna look to use a Wobi in that 10 role. And if using a Wobi there also doesn't work, well, now you've got two, you know, relatively highly rated players, players with a history of being good creators in the Premier League who can't create chances in the center of your midfield on a team that's got, you know, talented players around in, in Moisekeen and Richarlison and Bernard. And if that does come to pass, then I think you're looking at a situation where, okay, this is definitely a Silva issue, not a personnel issue. Um, we're still a few weeks away from being able to say that with any kind of certainty. And obviously Marco has to play a Wobi at the 10 for us to kind of get a sense of that. But to me, that's kind of one of the things I'm looking forward to in the coming weeks. And, and even though I don't think that I, I don't place a lot of blame on Gilfie personally, I want to see a Wobi play at the 10 because I'd be happy to be proven wrong and see the team, you know, improve its results or to be proven right and put us at a point where Marco really has to say, okay, I need to figure out a plan B or, you know, uh, the Moshiri has to look at the results and go, oh, God, I don't think this is going to turn around. Um, and you need one of those two things to happen. Uh, yeah. and, and I think if – you know, we get that and we start to see a Wobi there in the, in the 10 role more. And I, I think that could also give us some answers about a player that, you know, is currently out on loan, but we had a lot of promise at the U23 level in, in Kieran Dowell and mm-hmm. see, you know, if, if Gilfie doesn't work there and a Wobi doesn't work there, maybe the reason Dowell didn't perform too well there either was because of Marco Silva's system and it just didn't allow for the 10 role to really produce much in that system. That's a good point. And it's not, not something that I, I had thought of. I'm just looking up. I'm curious what Dowell um, has done so far uh, at Derby this season. He has one assist in six matches. He's been pretty much a regular starter for them in the number 10 role. Um, and he's got no goals, one assist. Yeah. In, in 500 minutes in the championship, you know, and he's an, he's kind of an interesting case because he, he did put up, he put up better numbers in the championship, uh, over the last couple of years than, yeah. than he has so far this year. But, 
uh, it's certainly something else to think about if we come away from the Wobi as a 10 experiment uh, without uh, a good results. Now, let's move on. You mentioned Sheffield Wednesday, uh, the game we won 2-0 this, um, this past uh, Tuesday, which is yesterday at day of recording, because today is Wednesday. Um, scored two goals pretty quickly. Both Calvert-Lewin in the 6th and the 10th minute, and then kind of pretty much from there just, I guess, cruised to victory. Uh, for us here in the States, I don't believe it was on TV, so we weren't able to um, visually see it until kind of after when all the, you know, stat sheets and, and all the maps came out and whatnot. But anything that you can see uh, from all that stuff and from the post-game um, reviews and stuff like that that, you were able to take from there and say, oh, maybe we could take this from the Sheffield Wednesday game midweek, and that may play a part in Everton's performances going forward? Well, uh, I don't know if you've seen um, the highlight of Calvert-Lewin's first goal. The second goal was, you know, kind of a classic crap goal. Uh, I think that that was the one that Iwobi kind of gets in down the left central channel. He knocks it across the middle. It, it splits the the opponent center back and goalkeeper and Dom's just kind of there to poke it into an empty net, which is, you know, Hey, got to get into the right place and put the exactly. ball right. But, you know, it's, it's not a huge one, but the first goal, um, the first goal, Sidibe, uh, hits a, a gorgeous, gorgeous crossfield ball from the, the right, right wing, just inside the halfway line over the top to Calvert Lewin top of the box on the left side. And he takes one touch and just, absolutely rockets this thing off off the underside of the bar and yeah. in and and it's easily his best finish um as an Everton player and i mean it's it's not even close it's an outstanding finish um and with Moise Keane, you know not necessarily getting off to the start that that he might have liked that we might have liked that Marco Silva might have liked uh for for Calvo Lewin to Go out and, and get two goals against any competition, um, is obviously a good thing, even if it was, you know, second division competition and, and to get a goal of the quality that he did, uh, in, in that, that first one, uh, is, is encouraging. And, uh, I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Dom as it pertains to the city match in a, in a little bit. Um, but it's to me, the, the primary thing is that Calvert Lewin, you know, scored a hell of a goal and he'll feel good going into going into the weekend. Yeah, no, and and I got a, you know, a couple uh things on him that I want to ask you about. You know, obviously it, it's great that a, you know, he has now three goals in his last three games against all competition, which again, two of them coming against a a lesser opponent, but still just to get that confidence up mm-hmm. it, it is great for him. Um, going forward, and I would think personally, and I don't know how you feel about this, that that might give him some confidence going forward, um, and getting into some positions. But also, you know, I've seen some things, and granted, you know, Twitter is a, it's an interesting That's world cool. out there. We're full of, <laughs> full of plenty of, um, wannabe Marco Silvas, but there's some people that have been talking about the abilities of Calvert Lewin and Keane, um, and how you know, they could be used together up top. Is that maybe something that you would see Silva doing or that would help um, this team 
uh, moving forward playing two strikers um, of their caliber or, you know, stick with the one striker and go from there? Uh, I, I, the two striker system, I think, would not solve a lot of the issues that we currently see um, with this Everton team, um, which is that, that they're struggling to create through the central channel. And I think to, to do that, you, you probably take Gilfie out, you drop the other striker in, and you just play, you know, a pretty straight 4-4-2 with your midfield two being, you know, any combination of Delph, uh, Schneiderling, Gomez, uh, Gabamin when he's back, you know, pick whatever, Tom Davis, whoever your preferred pairing is, I don't really care. Um, but you're, you're still kind of, you still got a vacuum in terms of creativity, um, in, in the center of the pitch. What I will say, uh, and something that I think is important to note when we talk about Gilfie Sigurdsson and his contributions, is that in defense, uh, when Everton's not got the ball, they basically play a 4-4-2. Um, that's that's the shape that the team adopts. It's the back four, um, the two holding midfielders, and, and the wingers kind of drop deeper alongside, and Sigurdsson slides up next to the striker, and, and it's pretty much the same, whoever it is. Um, and that's kind of the the basis uh, of the high presses that he's that, that Silva's getting two guys in striker like positions um, up in your face. And I, I don't know if taking Sigurdsson out to put in another striker necessarily improves the the efficacy of the press all that much, and I certainly don't see it improving the way that that chance creation works unless you really, really want to go all in on wide play and crosses. But, I mean, at that point, Moise Keane's not really a guy who you want to be whipping 10 or 15 crosses into a game. That's that's not his style. So, yeah. for for me, uh, no. I, I don't see any, any real uh, benefit. To, to pairing the two and, and going with a 4-4-2 or a whatever else. I mean, in another world, maybe we could talk about a, a 3-5-2, um, but we don't have another center back that I want to see out in, there. I'm not even going to talk about Mason Holgate. Um, so didn't give it, up any goals this week. What are you talking about? <laughs> didn't give up any goals to Sheffield Wednesday. Yep. Yeah, because that's the level he belongs at, the second <laughs> division. Damn it, Gino, I said I wasn't going to do it, and you made me do it. I didn't even want to do it this time. Oh my god. I'm sorry. But, I'm sorry. But yeah, you know, in, in in a, you know, potential future world, if we could roll a 352, uh, you know, it's something that that I'd be willing to think about in in yeah. some terms or another, but for right now we just don't have a third center back that makes that feasible for me, uh, so it's a moot point. Yeah, and and along with that, you know, you take the midfield out there, you lose the midfield battle and, you know, that's, you know, obviously, you know, winning the midfield battle can control a lot of the possession-based um, game that we play going forward and, you know, getting the ball outside and whatnot. There's a whole, you know, all of that going into it. But moving on to City real quick, finishing things up. We have City this weekend. City coming off an 8 nothing win versus Watford, a team that Ouch. we to nothing. So um by transitive property, I think that means City would beat us seven nothing. I don't really know if that's, that's how it works. That's, that is definitely how it works. That's, <laughs> mm-hmm, that's how math um, works. 
but, you know, is there any reason for optimism this weekend or, you know, we just looking to go out there, put together a solid performance where we look better than we did against Bournemouth and Sheffield United and, 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 you know, accept the fact that this one's going to be a loss. Um, there, I, I don't expect us to win. Let, let, let me put that out there. Out Green. Front. I, I do not expect Everton to win. That said, if you look at the end of last season, you know, the last uh, 12, 15 games of last season, Everton was better against top six teams than uh, against, uh, the, you know, the rest of the league. Results against Chelsea, results against Arsenal, results against um, Manchester United. We, we didn't play City in that that run, if I remember correctly, yeah, we played City right before we we got hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, the, the Liverpool draw beat Chelsea, beat uh Arsenal, beat the stuffing out of United, and then got a draw against Tottenham on the last day of the season. Uh, the high press that Marco Silva wants to play works best against teams that want to play out of the back, and obviously, when you think of teams and managers that want to play out of the back. The first team that you think of is obviously Manchester City and, and Pep Guardiola. Um, obviously, they are very good at it. Um, and there's there's a reason that they put up eight goals against Watford last week. Uh, multiple reasons. One of the reasons is that Watford's defense is putrid, but another is obviously that City Their is whole very team. good. That's not, that's not even <laughs> so short. Their whole team's not very good. Um, but City is short center backs right now. Um, we could very easily be looking at a center back pairing of Fernandinho and Nicolas Otamendi because it's all Pep's got available to him right now. Yeah. Um, and, and the idea of starting a an inform Dominic Calvert-Lewin up top, uh, who is, you know, the best pressing forward that we have We'll run a lot. We'll force turnovers um, against uh, Nicholas Otamendi, who's n- who is Nicholas Otamendi, um, and Fernandinho, who's not really a center back. Yeah, it is. That is the only place that I find any any real optimism in this is that City, come hell or high water, will try to play out of the back, and you can see a world where a high pressing, you know, in that four four two setup, that high pressing. Uh, duo of Calvert-Lewin and Sigurdsson could force a mistake or two out of a defense pairing that is a little bit out of its element right now. And if you can nick a goal doing that, anything is possible. Yeah, I mean, you know, just looking back at, you know, what we were talking about before with Sheffield United and Bournemouth, you know, it's a shame that, you know, that's how those games turned out because, Obviously, a Sheffield United game at home is one we should have won, and at least a draw versus Bournemouth would have given us four points at least in our last two games, put us up near the top of the table. Man City coming to Goodison Park. The atmosphere, I mean, granted, Goodison's atmosphere will probably still be great, but, you know, just the thought of that, um, such a, a high-profile game, um, you know, with a, a Everton team in form would have been really, really nice. Um, yeah. But, you know, what, like you, like you were saying, you know, Dominic Cavalloon pressing those center backs is something to definitely look out for, which is, you know, something, yeah. you know, if you can nick a goal, anything can happen, as we've seen. And 
in multiple games this season already and, for teams against us. And I was surprised when I saw him uh, in the starting lineup against Sheffield Wednesday in the midweek because, you know, for me, uh, starting Dom in this one is a no-brainer. You, you have to. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's just, you know, Silva is committed to playing a press against anybody now it's you know it's not going to be as high a press or and there will certainly be times when he turns it off and elects to absorb pressure but you know you're going to see that at times and you know that you're going to have more of a chance for it to be profitable against city than against most teams so i'm going to be apoplectic on saturday if anybody but calvert lewin is leading the line yeah i agree you know Keane just doesn't provide that same type of ability up front. And we know, I mean, we've seen Dom do it time in time out, you know, his finishing may not have, may not have been the best in recent years, but his pressing is, is, you know, top notch for us. And mm-hmm. you know, a very key part in, in us really getting results against some of these bigger teams. So that'll definitely be something to look out for. Anything else you want to say on this one? Uh, pray that Kevin De Bruyne has an off game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's it because boy howdy he is good and it's one of those matches where you really you, you wish you had Jean-Philippe Gabamon in there because you know you're gonna you're gonna need somebody who uh is a little more defensive minded who yeah. is is going to be able to track guys like he and and David Silva through the midfield and and no disrespect to Morgan Schneiderlin who I thought was uh was good uh against Sheffield United and no respect to Fabian, no disrespect, excuse me, to Fabian Delph, who has been good and also had some moments of struggle in the last couple of matches and no disrespect to Andre Gomes, who may be back. Um, but I don't think any of them bring quite the defensive prowess that Gabamon probably does. Um, and I wish that he could play, but he can't. So like late November. <laughs> yeah. So. Pray that KDB has an off game and that, that Dom forces a mistake out of, uh, Fernandinho or Otamendi. And if you get both of those things, maybe you've got a shot. <laughs> that's fair. I, that's, that's very fair for us. We don't need to do predictions. I think we're both, you know, thinking this one will end up as a loss, just hoping to see some good things out of this one. But Adam, thanks as always for joining, um, to everybody out there. Keep listening. Keep uh, following. We'll talk to you guys next week, hopefully after a not terrible loss to Man City. (laughs) Have a good one, guys.